Hello, and welcome to ADHD Essentials, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Mahan. I'm a former teacher and mental health clinician turned ADHD coach, trainer, and consultant. I can be reached at brendan at adhdessentials.com. Here at ADHD Essentials, we help families develop the skills and knowledge needed to better manage attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Visit ADHDessentials.com for more details. What's up, team? The ADHD Summit is coming October 17th through the 20th. This phenomenal event features 38 experts in the field of ADHD, myself included. Each of the four days has its own theme, ranging from diagnosis to school, from behavior to home. I highly recommend registering for it. I wouldn't be involved with it if I didn't think it was quality. Check out the link in the show notes for more information. And also check out our partner podcasts, ADHD Rewired with Eric Tivers, Hacking Your ADHD with Will Kerb, and ADHD Diversified with MJ. Welcome to the show. Today, we're talking to Holly Blanc-Moses. Holly is a psychologist who helps neurodiverse kids, adults, and families. She's also one of the hosts of the upcoming ADHD Summit that I mentioned earlier. In this episode, Holly talks to us about ADHD in girls. We discuss how cultural expectations influence the way ADHD symptoms affect girls, the importance and nature of girls' social relationships, and the prominent role that anxiety can play in the life of girls with ADHD. All right, let's get rolling. I am Holly Blanc-Moses, psychologist and parent, so I kind of call myself the mom psychologist who gets it. So I have two boys with ADHD, and yeah, I've been supporting kids and their families for about 23 years now. And you're here to talk about ADHD in girls, which is a topic I haven't covered, I think at all, really, on this show, which I should, because it's important, it matters. So let's jump right in, and wherever you want to start, I will I will leave it to you. It turns out girls have ADHD. Shockingly. <laughs> Shockingly, it is true. And so I think when we think about ADHD, and you may agree to this, that we think of a boy jumping around and they're hyperactive. That's just kind of the picture that pops into our brains. And we were kind of behind, I think, on identifying girls. And when girls are typically identified, it's not until much later. So this is a good topic to discuss. I don't want to get too deep into this episode before just calling out the elephant in the room so we can start with it being stated. And that elephant is named misogyny, right? Like that's that's why we immediately picture boys. That That's, I'm sure, part of why I haven't like pushed to get someone on to talk about girls because it's just not a thing that affects me. I'm sure if I had daughters, I'd be like, I have to talk about girls, but I don't. I have sons. And our culture by default is male oriented. Everything from the way seatbelts are designed to the way we picture ADHD is male dominated. And I just want to I want to call that out in advance so that it, we don't have to play guesswork or accidentally skirt around stuff in an effort to not call out the misogyny of at least the United States and really the planet. Um, so I 
there. I did it, I guess. <laughs> you you did it. And I appreciate it. That's one of the reasons why I love your podcast, because I do the same thing on my podcast, the autism ADHD podcast is put it out there, right? I mean, that's what we think of. We think of boys and I have boys too, just like you. So I don't have a daughter with ADHD, but I am a girl right? I'm a woman Mm -hmm. and I'm coming from a place of working with a lot of girls. So although I don't have daughters, I definitely have a lot of experience in this area and I'm actually going to be assessed myself soon. Oh, cool. Good luck. Thank you. Oddly, when people tell me that and I'm like, good luck. I mean, I hope you join the club. Like good luck getting a (laughs) diagnosis. I never in my heart am I like, good luck. I hope you don't have ADHD. I'm always like trying to bring more people into the tribe. There you go. Yeah. So my sister, my younger sister has ADHD. I'm pretty sure my dad does, but he's not diagnosed. So, um, you know, I we're rolling out the ADHD summit, which you're a part of and we appreciate it. And there's just my work revolves around it. And I thought, wait a minute. (laughs) wait just a second here i think i may also meet criteria um so yeah i'll let you know how it goes cool since you mentioned it can you just throw out the details for the summit real quick and then we'll jump into adhd and girls absolutely i am thrilled i mean I'm just so excited about this event. So the ADHD Summit, it's online and it rolls out on October 17th and it's only four days. So each day is a different category. The first day is going to be all about diagnosis and mental and physical health. The second day, school. The third day, behavior. And the fourth day, home and parenting. And it is so good. We we dive into emotional regulation, executive functioning, motivation, um, from fear to, to success, right? That's where you're coming in and talking about it. We do talk a lot about um, school and learning differences and how we can set up kids for success at school. Definitely a lot about parenting and creating peaceful homes, which I think we all would appreciate. And there's lots of cool bonuses too. We're going to talk about 60 school accommodations that are often effective for kids with ADHD, because a lot of times parents, I mean, we're so overwhelmed. We don't even know what to ask for. So we want to make this simple for you. Another bonus, which is really cool is email templates from parents to school. So all you have to do in there is swipe it and modify it just a little bit with your child's name and what you're looking for. And then out. I actually just used one of the templates last week for my own son. Awesome. I'm also excited about the summit, especially the 60 60 accommodations and and the email swipes because that stuff's always important. And, And audience... You don't have to use all 60 accommodations. (laughs) You don't. (laughs) Your kid probably doesn't need all of them. Just pick the ones that are most important. Um, But but let's let's talk about ADHD and girls. Where do you want to start? A good place to start is just noticing because there isn't one way girls present. And you had mentioned kind of the cultural differences and the expectations, which is a very big deal for girls. Because where do they fall in? You know, oftentimes we'll hear, oh, they're daydreaming. They're not paying attention. Maybe they're fidgeting. Girls can appear hyperactive. And that is a more maybe obvious 
symptom of ADHD, but sometimes even the girls who are hyperactive just get all these stop signs, right? Stop that, do that. They're corrected all the time. But what I find is really, especially difficult for these girls is they're struggling with anxiety. They're struggling with sadness. They're often masking. They're pretending they're okay when they're not. It's really, really hard. And it just weighs on them and people don't get them and the expectations are off and it can become a really big problem. Back when I used to teach one year in particular, we had on team, I was teaching middle school. So I had like four classes of kids, about a hundred students. And we had one boy who was very hyperactive and we had one girl who was very hyperactive. The audience is probably not going to be surprised that I kind of didn't care that they were hyperactive. I was like, cool, sit down and do your stuff. And if you can't, we'll figure it out and like move on in another way. But I remember talking to other teachers, all of whom were women at that, that year. The girl drove them bananas and the boy didn't. The boy, they were like, yeah, he just won't sit down. But they were they were giving him a lot more leeway than they were giving to the girl just because she was a girl. Like the expectations were different. It was that like boys will be boys. No one actually said that, but it was that kind of vibe. Like he's a boy. Of course, he can't sit still, but she's a girl and should be able to. It was ridiculous to me then. It's ridiculous to me now. But but that, I think, is an example of the cultural expectations that have a negative effect on girls and kind of let boys get away with some of the ADHD stuff. I think you're 100% right. And it's confusing, I think, to us when we're not culturally, we're not used to seeing this when we we're looking for an answer. I mean, all humans do. So if this girl is hyperactive, then she's probably choosing right to be difficult or challenging because there, what other reason that could there be, you know, we're not educated on ADHD and girls. And again, that's why this is such an important topic to be talking about because we do have those girls that are hyperactive but honestly, we miss more often the girls that are daydreaming and the girls that are inattentive. And and certainly boys in that lane get missed too, but girls are going to get missed more because they're behaving appropriately. They're the kids that are sitting there, not causing a distraction, not disrupting stuff, probably sitting and looking straight ahead because that's expectation is drilled into girls a lot more than it is to boys. A boy can space out the window. I know because I was that kid. But a girl, if she's spacing out the window, she's going to get corrected to look like pay attention, tune in. And then it looks like she's paying attention, but she's really not. And that's so true. And we we kind of make them that way, right? Mm-hmm. Like you said, is, oh, you're supposed to pay attention, but they're not. Their brains are telling them a gazillion stories. It's not necessarily what's happening and it's distracting outside their bodies, but inside their bodies, inside their heads, and they're getting missed. And then on top of that, they often present with social differences. So the hyperactive little girl that you mentioned probably had some pretty tough social experiences. I would imagine peer rejection, probably trouble with space, the kind of more boy typical social interaction problems but these girls that are daydreaming, they have social problems too. They're just not as obvious. Like you said, they're not the ones that are getting sent to the office. They're not disrupting class, but try to have a relationship with someone who forgot what you just said or forgot to text you back or 
had a plan with you, but then completely forgot it. You're going to think they don't care about you. They're not listening to you, but it's not true. And especially to, to call out that social and cultural stuff, girls are expected to be socially skilled in a way that boys aren't. Mm-hmm. And that's everything from paying attention to what you just said to making plans and following through on those plans and that kind of stuff. We know that as, as people get older, and especially married couples, one of the things that happens to men when they lose their wives is they become socially isolated because usually it's the wife that's doing that social work and not social work like a social worker, but social work like drawing in friends, connecting you to the family and all that stuff. Whereas when men die first, the wife doesn't have as much of a challenge in that area because they've been doing those social, making those social connections anyway. And so we have this expectation around social skills and social connectedness for girls and women that ADHD can undermine. And and we don't have that same expectation for boys, even though they're still impacted by not having the social skills. It's a different kind of impact because we're like, oh, well, that makes sense. And we don't necessarily call attention to it. We don't make a deal out of it. They're a boy. But for a girl, it's like, what's wrong with her? Why can't she make friends? Or why can't she hang out with her friends? And why doesn't she call her friends and those sorts of things? Well, then, you know, then it becomes a a personal fault. Right. Right. So then the girl, um, she's not good at social skills. People don't like her. All these things that are piling on. And it is really hard because, like you said, there's that social expectation Now, for boys, traditionally, you're going to have more of the physical activity interaction, right? For girls, it becomes more one-on-one or in a group social situation earlier. And so this really impacts girls significantly younger than we even think. I have a question. Um, I'm thinking right now of a client of mine who works on Broadway, and she will talk to me about all the effort and work she has to put in in order to look correctly, you know, like makeup and clothing and all this kind of stuff in her hair in order to look the way that she's supposed to look, um, even just for a Zoom call. I would imagine that ADHD in in younger girls and up, up through a woman like the woman I work with is going to undermine that process. It's going to make it harder at the very least to do the extra bonus stuff of makeup and hair that boys and men don't really have to deal with. Am I right here? Am I poking into something that's useful? Well, I want to mention, and this goes along with what you're saying, is that this is exhausting for girls. And so really, when we think about these expectations, it's here's an expectation. You didn't meet it. Here's another one. Didn't meet it. So how are you going to feel about yourself? What we often see in these girls too is anxiety, is perfectionism. The the feeling I have to control as much as I can because everything else feels out of control. And a lot of times we'll see high levels of anxiety in these girls. And all because they have higher grades doesn't mean they aren't suffering. Yeah, I just keep thinking about how I'm totally playing with misogyny and ADHD both at the moment in my head and how they work together to make life that much harder for a woman and a girl with ADHD. 
I'm going to circle back to the makeup stuff because I think it's a really good example, right? I can tell looking at you, you've got some level of makeup on happening at the moment. I don't. I don't have any makeup on. I didn't even shave this morning. I shaved yesterday. Didn't shave today. Like I'm on Zoom. People can't tell that I have stubble. I know because I can look see myself in the camera. So my upkeep in the morning is nothing compared to what yours was. I My hair is really short. I didn't comb my hair either because I don't have to because it's really short. I'm a low upkeep face and head for lack of a better way to put it. Your like your hair is lovely. You clearly have at least lipstick on, probably eyeliner. You've done, I'm going to guess, not having any idea because my wife doesn't wear makeup because that I'm not like a makeup dude. So I didn't marry a makeup woman, I guess. I'm going to guess that that is at least a half an hour worth of work, if not more. You would be amazed. So getting my two high knee boys ready in the morning this is probably less than five minutes. Honestly, it's, you know, you kind of get it down um, because honestly, I get distracted. So, you know, it, it is a lot. It's a lot to remember. And on girls, we're also supposed to be organized, right? We're supposed to know where our work is. We're supposed to put our name on the paper. You know, all these things that are expected, that can be really hard. And then we're the hardest on ourselves. And so when we go back to that being difficult socially, we look at the anxiety, we look at the sadness, we look at the pressure, you know how it is. Brennan, when we're younger, we're really building our foundation of ourselves, like what we think of ourselves. And when I see my patients come in, these girls will say, well, I'm bad. I'm stupid. I can't get anything right. No one likes me. This is what they're telling themselves. And that anxiety easily builds to social anxiety too. I ran an anxiety social group for girls uh, when I was doing my when I was doing my guidance counseling work. And one of the things we talked about was how there would be times when they were going to go out with their friends, right? And and they're going over to their friend's house, their friend is coming to their house, whatever, and they're excited to see their friend. And because they're excited, their heart's beating a little faster. They got some butterflies in their stomach, right? They're breathing a little faster, a little more shallowly. Those physical symptoms of excitement are also the physical symptoms of anxiety. And if you're prone to anxiety anyway, you might be excited about seeing your friend or going to their house and misinterpret that excitement as anxiety And now you're isolating yourself that much more socially and feeling that much more anxious about friendships because you misinterpreted excitement for anxiety. And when we played with that for a couple of weeks and and two of the girls specifically were like, Mr. Mahan, I am much more comfortable hanging out with my friends outside of school now because I just tell myself that I might be excited. They they didn't commit to it. They weren't like, I'm definitely excited because I didn't encourage them to do that. I was like, you might also be anxious, but- but try to reinterpret this, see what happens. And two of them in particular were like, I had a better time this weekend with my friends because I started to try to think of myself as excited instead of anxious and and it worked. And all of a sudden things are going a little more smoothly. That social anxiety and broadly generalized anxiety is critical to talk about and to look at. I definitely agree. And looking at what are the stories our brains tell us, Right. I mean, even you and I can probably say, oh, you know, everybody has I'm not good enough story. 
right? Or everybody has these foundational things that we, we call ourselves certain names and, and it's hard. Um, so these girls that come in and see me, they'll tell me like, I'm just bad at, you know, making friends. I can't keep my stuff together. My parents are always yelling at me because my room is messy. You know, all these, all these things. And, and there's no reason that they have no explanation. They just think that they're broken. What is the, cause I don't know, right. As I, I sort of know, but I don't really know. I didn't live it. Um, what is the nature of girl relationships and girl friendships and sort of what are the things that you need to have to make that easier? Some of the things that can make it easier are exactly the things that make it hard <laughs> for, for girls with ADHD, right? It's so challenging because you're supposed to remember, you're supposed to self-disclose, you're supposed to be trustworthy. I'll give you an example and hopefully my sister won't, won't uh, kill me. It was years ago and I was going through just a really tough life transition. And I was just pouring my heart out to her. We were sitting at the kitchen table. She was sitting across from me. And I felt like she was really listening. No, I'm saying this is hard. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm scared about what's next. And I thought, and my brain went that, wow, like she's really cares. She's really invested in what I'm saying. And all of a sudden it was quiet. And she looked down at her wedding ring and said, isn't my ring so beautiful? That's a big pivot. That's <laughs> a real big pivot. So it turns out she really was not here much of what I was saying when I was pouring my heart out to her. And when you think about how women and girls relationships are, it is this very attentive, caring, loving. And that's what's so hard for girls with ADHD because they are awesome. These girls are just some of the best people you'll ever meet. And they are caring and they are loving. But the action that other girls are looking for is that back and forth, back and forth, stay with me, stay in tune with me. And it's really hard for them. Yeah. That it, it's easier as a boy because boy relationships are often based around an activity. And, and it's still hard because if you suck at that activity, like your bottom of the totem pole, like that happens. But at least you're involved, right? At least you're there. And you might be the kid that gets picked on and teased relentlessly because you suck at that game or whatever. But you're there. Whereas my understanding, and totally correct me if I'm wrong on this, is that girl relationships are much more based kind of like on what you're saying, where it's not an activity that you can sort of be doing. It's more the activity is we're talking to each other and and sharing our innermost thoughts or at least sharing our thoughts about other people and how much they suck or how they great they are or whatever. <laughs> and, and that sort of more conversational nature, it sounds like can undermine the ADHD girl. Cause she's not as tuned in, not as interested maybe in what everyone else is talking about in my kind of understanding this. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really hard. And that's why it's so important to identify girls early, just as much as possible because of a lot of work that, that I do to support girls is learning about themselves, you know, becoming more self-aware, being able to check in 
on what's happening, be able to tell people what they need, you know, as far as self-advocacy, learning what you need, and then sharing that, you know, it's okay for girls to tell another girl, Hey, if you see me space it out for a minute, let me know, you know, my brain is so busy and I really care about you. It's not about that. Mm-hmm. And really just having that open communication about it. And it can be a, a beautiful thing. It's nothing to, you know, feel bad about, but just put it out there. Yeah. And that's interesting because boys can't do that. That's weakness, right? That's that you can't show weakness. And especially in like, like middle school, high school, boy relationships, high school, eventually you can, but it's really hard because you've been trained not to. Whereas sounds like girls can, girls can be like, Hey, this is my area of struggle. Let me know if I'm struggling while we're interacting and I'll do my best to fix it or readjust. And, you know, it can get tricky. For sure. There's so many different things, the cultural expectation, all those things are really hard and the way that, you know, boys and girls connect. Um, but really that that self-advocacy, I think, has been big. This communication is big, you know, letting people know when things are hard. You know, I, I actually put together, got this awesome beat off a website during a session. <laughs> couple weeks ago. And we made this self-advocacy wrap. It was amazing. So you got to meet kids where they are and figure out how they can best communicate. Now, this little girl is not going to bust out a wrap in the middle of class. You know, that's not what we were practicing. Um, But what we were doing was practicing that self-advocacy, practicing what to say and letting people know what they need. Because if we don't, serious things happen. I've had little girls come in where they are reprimanded and they're so depressed because they were not supported in the way that they needed to be. And they would hurt themselves and they would do it under the desk. They would be secretive about it because they were so angry with themselves because they weren't meeting expectations. So, you know, it's very, it's, it's pretty serious. We really need to identify girls early and support them. I, that's critical. I've, I've had people in my own life who I love dearly that have been self-harmers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's not, it's, it's not a fun place to be. Um, and, and it, it kind of sends me in another direction towards the like dominant culture, misogyny stuff where if a boy is not meeting expectations, they have the option of being defiant in a way that girls generally don't every now and then you get a girl who's willing to be defiant but not nearly to the level that boys are willing to be. And boys get away with it more easily than girls do. So a boy cannot meet the expectations and be like, whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm tough. Like you're not going to tell me what to do or whatever, however they elect to present. Girls don't really get away with that as much. And they often wind up getting crushed if they try to be defiant. They The response is much harsher. And that is going to, create more anxiety, create more potential self-harm. Not that it has to go in that direction, but it's certainly going to cause a lot more negative self-talk at the very least when I try to push back on this thing that I'm struggling with, maybe even in an effort to get help and not in a defiant way. It's also possible that they're just like trying to express a need for support, but they do it in a way that is not as socially graceful as is preferred by that teacher or whatever and they end up getting shouted down instead. That must be playing a role here too. Have you been, have you seen that? I have seen that. And so, you know, I think you and I agree 
it's always about figuring out the why, right? If you have a girl that's presenting in, in a way where they are pretending or they're getting rejected or, you know, they are hyperactive or you find that they are completing assignments, but the directions, they seem to not have followed them. And then they get, you know, a not so great grade because they thought they were supposed to do something else. Um, so any time that you notice things like that, pay attention, right? I mean, just, it doesn't take a lot of time to just pay attention, maybe ask some questions, put that detective hat on because it's going to be worth it. Yeah. Always wonder, right? Like no one is lazy. Nobody. There's something hiding underneath that. There's a reason that's happening. There's an unmet need. There's a skill set that's missing. Something's going on there. 100%. Can we pivot out of girls for a second? Is that okay? Yeah. What do you want to do? I want to go to women and moms. All right. It's not a big pivot. It's a little pivot. It's nothing compared to the one you shared earlier. Let's pivot. It's a natural sort of progression where you get a mom or a woman with ADHD and those same expectations are there and those same struggles are still there. So it becomes also challenging at the very least and potentially has a significant impact on you socially, right? If you're not inclined to be super social and you're the mom and your family is struggling to find a niche in the town that you live in or... um or maybe even at work where you're you're not you're maybe you're an introvert and you have ADHD and you're a woman and you're just not effervescent and engaging like the other women at work and so you kind of feel left out when maybe you're not like i could see some social wall of awful stuff happening there too where in high school and middle school like all the pretty popular girls didn't like you and you go to work and there's like I guess, pretty popular girls at work for lack of a better term. And they include you, but like, you don't believe it. I can see that happening. Cause you're like, those are the pretty popular girls. They obviously don't want to talk to me. Is that a phenomenon that you see? Am I in the right area at all? I, I am just checking all kinds of boxes over here. Like as you're talking, you know, this is, it's a really important conversation to have because women are often not diagnosed and they think what's wrong with me, right? Why can't I hold it all together? Look at these moms in their exercise outfits and they're, they're volunteering at school plus doing a hundred other things. Like how do they do this? And then we compare ourselves to each other. And that is a really tough thing because it was hard before, but when you start adding kids schedules, school, homework, I mean, talk about a, a stretch of executive functioning because you are the person that typically is holding it all together and you can barely do your own stuff. So then what do you do? Like you, I'm a bad mom. I can't do this. You know, it's too much. And I should be, I should, should, should. It's all over the place. Right. And, you know, especially like you said, socially, that can be difficult. You know, some social situations can be pretty difficult. I'm sort of that weird mom that that looks at the group in the parking lot at drop off and they all are kind of chatting and having a good time. And then I'm kind of the weird one, you know, out here on on the edge and not quite knowing how to get in there. And then the fear of being rejected. Right. So and I teach social skills. OK, so but then I also get it. 
also understand how difficult it can be. So there's a lot to think about when we're talking about women with ADHD. So any women out there, because we know it's genetic, right? Chances are you may have ADHD. Um, instead of beating yourself up, go get tested and figure out why. And it could be that you are wired in this other way, that you are not broken, that you're amazing the way you are, but you have to do things a little differently. Circling back to the beginning of this interview, when you were like, I'm probably going to get tested. And I was like, yay, like, I hope, good luck. I hope you get 80. I hope you have ADHD, right? I hope it comes <laughs> back positive in that, in what sounds screwy. It sounds like, why would you encourage this person and hope that they have a literal disorder? And my reason for that is if you're struggling enough to say, I think that I should maybe get tested, then hopefully you get diagnosed with ADHD because now you have a roadmap. Right. That's why I get excited about it. I'm like, well, now I can help or you can help or someone else can help. And there's a, like books on this and stuff. Whereas our neurotypical folks don't have as readily available a roadmap because they have way more options than folks with ADHD. If you have ADHD, a lot of options vanish. And that means we reduce our choices, which is helpful. And I love the idea of, again, having an answer. Because when I was even getting on myself the other day, oh, I have this beautiful planner I picked out. I never open it. Oh, I should put this here. Oh, I forgot I have to do this. And everything's sort of piling on. And why can't I do this? Why is this so hard? It's not that I'm less. It's that this is hard. <laughs> this is a lot of stuff and I'm balancing it. And I'm basically the frontal lobe for a whole lot of people, you know? So there's, there's a lot to think about and being open to understanding yourself and accepting the awesome person that you are in your gifts and places that you have weaknesses that just kind of makes you human. Another reason for struggles for those of you who are listening, potentially you as well, Holly, certainly me. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but uh, some of us recently lived through a worldwide trauma event in the form of a global pandemic. There's that. And that has had an impact on our ability to execute and our performance overall, still. Yes, definitely. And I am glad that you brought that up because we are all reeling still. Mm-hmm. Um, it was unlike anything else before. Um, I am glad that you brought that up. It's an important thing to bring up because it's so easy to forget. It's so easy to like think things have gone back to normal and we should just put that in the rear view and not consider it. But it's, it's had a huge impact on us, on our kids. It, it's a big deal and, and it, we have to honor it. I agree. So just being mindful of time. Do you have any ending essentials that you'd like to share with our audience? We need to be kind to ourselves. I, I'm not saying that sort of catchphrase self-care because when I hear about that, I get overwhelmed. <laughs> so that doesn't, I know a lot of people that I talk to do. So just thinking about being gentle, right? Just being kind and, you know, treat yourself like you would treat someone else. You know, we're so mean to ourselves oftentimes and being open to looking at who you surround yourself with and being careful that way, who has access to you. I don't think that's something that we talk enough about. Um, 
But again, make sure we're paying attention to boys and girls and everyone else, um, non-binary folks, everybody. We've got to pay attention to what they need, if they're struggling, and all because they're not turning a desk over in class doesn't mean they don't need help. Hey, you're still here. Nice. Thanks for staying focused all the way through. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode, feel free to email me at brendan at ADHDessentials.com. And don't forget to check out the website, ADHDessentials.com. And visit our Facebook community. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, keep focusing on improvement over perfection. 10% better is all you need. Thank you.